Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hi, guys. We are back today with another episode, and Courtney and I, we are joined today with a very special guest, Courtney's husband, Trevor. Trevor, we are so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming on and allowing us to kind of dig deep with you. How are you guys today? Good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Sleep deprived. It's fine. (laughs) Sleep deprived as usual. So today, what we're actually going to be doing is I am going to kind of ask Trevor some questions and then ask Courtney and Trevor questions together. And then we're going to do a little game I'm sure maybe some of you guys have heard like of the newlywed game, but for those of you who haven't, it's basically where I'm going to say something like, okay, this is just an example. What's Courtney's favorite color? And then Courtney will write it down, Trevor will write it down, and then we reveal the answer. But the questions are going to be a lot deeper than that. (laughs) I can just, don't get nervous now, but you guys will do fine. And yeah, so that's kind of what we got going on for today's episode and Hopefully this gives everybody listening some insight on relationship tips and just kind of overall learning more about Trevor as well. So to start this off, Trev, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and what you do for your career and what inspired you to choose that career path. Well, I'm 27 years old. Courtney and I married for technically a year now. I didn't really start to get things together until I was like 23, working all different kinds of odd jobs, working at Target, working where I met Courtney, a pizza pizza place, restaurants, beer distribution warehouse, just all these, you know, jobs that are super replaceable. And then ultimately it was like, all right, I got to figure it out. And at 23, decided that it was going to go to nursing school. So finished nursing school in 2020, I want to say, end of 2020, and then nursing for two years now. And about a year ago, I started a psychiatric nurse practitioner program. So that'll be like a registered nurse to master's degree, like bridge program. So I'm super excited about that. And hobbies, just like um, mountain biking, motorcycling, and for sure, hanging out with Courtney and just kicking it. I love that. So what inspired you to kind of go the nursing direction? I knew for sure that I wanted a career that was going to be super stable. I wanted something that, you know, was going to not only provide me with financial stability, but also like enrich my character. And so I knew that nursing was going to be something that was going to be very sink or swim. Like you either evolve into the person that you need to be to be effective in the job or like you're not going to do the job. That was kind of my thought process. Mm. Now, have you experienced any challenges? I'm sure you have, because I feel like nursing is such a difficult career path i think he forgot an important thing too he used to mentor i feel like that played oh yeah that was important yeah i don't uh that was especially uh, with like the direction of the psychiatric that you're going down right yeah no i guess so i don't think about that role often but that's probably just because i'm not doing it anymore but yeah that was interesting gave me a lot of insight into like household dynamics and Mm -hmm. the kinds of things that like affect young men when they are growing up in various types of households, you know, different social dynamics, how it affects them emotionally, psychologically, that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, as far as challenges in nursing, it's like learning to emotionally, I guess you could say disassociate from the 
job itself and like recognizing that it is just a job and that you are only one person, you know, I feel like this is probably this, this kind of advice might scope beyond nursing itself, but like you want to treat your career as something that's important to you, but not so important to you that like when you don't perform at, at top level that you're like emotionally distraught over it. You know what I mean? And, and I think as a new nurse, you have to draw that line between your personal life and your uh, professional life. Cause you're not going to be a good nurse right out the gate. You're going to probably be pretty clunky. So that's just something that's part of it. Yeah, no, I love that. And so you both are nurses, which is really kind of cool because I feel like you guys can relate a lot and have somebody to confide in whenever you guys have difficulties at work or you come home feeling really drained. So my question to you guys would be, how do you set boundaries as a nurse? And also, how do you find working as nurses together works for you? Or is there any challenges as well that come alongside that doing the same job? I think it's nice sometimes when we get in the car after we work and like sort of an unspoken boundary. I feel like for the most part, we talk about like how our night was so work nights in the car. But then when once we get home, we like transition. Like now that we're home, we don't really talk about it as much. We just try to effectively balance not bringing it, a lot of it into the house. But sometimes one of us might have like a very overwhelming night. And so sometimes we just voice to each other, like, I don't want to, I don't feel like sharing right now. Like, let's talk about something other than nursing. And that's really helpful listening to each other when we say those kinds of things. And then the other person is just like, okay, cool. Let's talk about something else. Usually Trevor wants to talk about engines or dirt bikes. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. So what I think is really interesting about your guys' relationship is that, Trev, you decided to move to Texas, right? How was that transition for you? And also, because I feel like big changes in our relationship can be really overwhelming and scary at times, but also just in general, you're moving to a completely different state and you're needing to make new friends. You're needing to essentially start over. And then Courtney, you kind of followed and did the same because you guys knew you wanted to be together. So I would love to hear from both of you how you guys managed the distance, how you guys managed to come back together, how did you guys managed this big move in general and change. I've fallen asleep on FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I think it was a unique experience for each of us. So like it was, you know, it wasn't because she moved 10 months after I did. So like I, you know, when I first moved to Texas, it was really out of need more than anything else, because I was 20 years old. And again, just buried in odd jobs, jobs that I hated. They had no meaning to me. You know what I mean? It was just things like for just trying to make money. And my mother basically offered to, um, you know, be like, Hey, you know, I've got this vehicle that I don't need your cars, you know, about kaput, you can come live with me and you can go to school and you can figure it out. And I was like, sure, that sounds like a great deal. So I, I moved down to Texas, like out of need, out of a need for a support system. And it seems like in modern society, we have more time than our parents did, right? Like a lot of our parents generation are like, I was out at 18, I was out at 17. But now that number has kind of shifted to like maybe 23 or 25, just because of like the economy. And just, it's just not as easy to like actually make enough capital to keep your head above water. But yeah, so I mean, I, I basically like I saw that window closing uh, of my mom's support. And I thought, okay, things are going to get really complicated if I don't figure it out like soon. So yeah, I'll let Courtney speak to her experience. Did you want more of my individual experience or like in terms of our relationship or do you want both? 
both is great, honestly, because I think there's a lot of people listening who, you know, struggle with change and embracing change. And I would love to just kind of, you know, hear how change affected you guys and what issues or difficulties you had to overcome and how you really just navigated change together. Well, the relationship was super strained when we were separated and things got pretty complicated when, you know, long story short, you know, I was a scumbag and got involved with some other female, but then, you know, Courtney kind of like leveled the playing field and there was a guy that she liked or whatever that, you know, they had a a bit of a relationship as well, which kind of evened out the power dynamic because ultimately we gravitated back toward each other, but it wasn't like one of us cheated. And then the other one was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just deal with it. It was kind of like we co-cheated and then we were like, eh, that sucked. Like we like each other better. So we're just going to go back to our relationship. But I mean, there was, I think there was... We only saw each other, what, like maybe four four to six times? I mean, that sounds like a lot inside of 10 months. There was a 10-month period, and I don't think we saw each other that many times. Maybe four times? If that, but... I think I came out here twice, and you went back twice. Yeah, I don't even remember, but it didn't... At the time, it didn't feel like enough. No, it wasn't. Because we were used to, like... He had his own apartment before he moved, so when before he moved to Texas, we spent a lot of time together, and I would sleep over there a lot. So then when he left, it was just like a big void. That was a big transition for me, but I just kind of buried myself in hanging out with you. I spent a lot of time with you, which was very helpful. I focused more on my schoolwork and trying to graduate from college because no one else in my family had graduated. And then I actually probably spent more focus and energy at that point in my life on working out because I was bored and instead of being like bored and doing nothing I would like do Pilates or stretching so it was actually kind of healthy in the beginning until we had kind of like our actual relationship issues but it was a big transition because I went from spending every day with this person almost to only being able to see him on FaceTime or talk to him on the phone and he was, I didn't really like that. No, he no, he, was, he likes just, FaceTime yeah. more than talking on the phone, but he's not a big like talk on the phoner kind of person, like unless there's something to actually talk about. I'm the type of person, and you know this from us being friends and being long distance friendship, I'll just throw you on FaceTime and we're both like clean the house and listen to music. We're like, you and I will watch a Netflix movie and time it exactly. And we're just watching the movie together but separate on FaceTime he wasn't really into that so that made it difficult we had some discourse over that because I'd be like I was needy you know mm. I don't ha- I don't have like a other than like you and a few other friends I didn't have that great of a support system and then moving here was hard because I had to leave like you and my sister and her kids and my brothers and that was a big transition but I was honestly pretty ready to move because I didn't want to grow up and live in the same town doing the same thing seeing the same people and I had a lot of like dysfunctional dynamics in my mom's side of the mom and dad's side of the family I guess now that I'm older that I just wanted to get away from so that I could try to tear those down and reframe my own version of who I was which I don't think I actually knew I was doing that at the time but that's what I was doing and then moving here initially it was hard to find a job so that took a while took a couple months and it was a bit of a transition because I went from like living with my aunt and uncle to all of a sudden I live with Trevor and his mom and I love his mom but when I first moved here I, I didn't know her all that well so that was a big transition of living with her and then ultimately it was pretty lonely for a long time because I had a 
had to get my job and then I made then it took a while to make friends but once I made friends and I had like a little group or what I would probably call now like my micro friend group of friends that made me feel more comfortable like I felt like I belong so when it comes to making friends in like a completely new atmosphere and environment do you have any tips for anyone listening who maybe is in their 20s in their 30s who struggles with making friends when they have to move to somewhere new because I feel like at that age you know we made all our friends in school because we were forced to be around other kids but then Mm -hmm. when you're older it's like okay how do I make friends now that I'm older and I don't have school to fall back on a lot of my friends came from work acquaintances but I would say that the transition of moving here kind of initiated me being able to actually have the benefit of being more picky with what types of energies I allowed into my inner circle and I've kind of continued that in the nursing world there's a lot of different personality types and there's very few people I actually associate with outside of work because the negativity is just so high the gossipy nature can be really high that I don't actually associate with that many people which is kind of I didn't realize I was doing that at the time but that's what I was doing then too I think my best tip is if you get along really well with someone at work as nerving as like I want to say honey like as like nerve-wracking maybe as it can be just like put yourself out there and be like hey like you want to grab lunch together today or that's kind of how that started like we would go out for like group lunches and then I'd go out with like one or two other co-workers and then it would start like we would go grab a drink after work and then it just kind of elevated from there then we would do stuff like going out to the lake on the weekends when we were off together so you can start small I would say like try to go to lunch together or eat lunch together yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Um, ask them about themselves. People love nothing more than talking about themselves. So that's true. That is true. Even people you don't like, you don't get along with. Just pretend to be interested in them. <laughs> well, if I could speak to to like making friends in general, like whether or not you've moved somewhere, I feel like friends are just friends are casual relationships and you have to know that that's what they are. Developing that best friend is something that like doesn't happen necessarily all the time and takes time for you to develop closeness and trust with other people to the point where you're like you feel like they're more than just a friend they're like your best friend or like they're your they're your real real good friend like friends in general are just casual relationships and I think that they're byproducts of you being in touch with yourself enough to attract people into your life so like if you're going around looking to make friends you know, that that in and of itself is like sort of like that shouldn't be your goal. Like your goal should be to be yourself and to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And then valuable people will just naturally like notice that over time. And I've, I've experienced it myself where like people that I work with are asking me if I'm want to hang out and get a beer, or get, get a burger or something like that, like other dudes that I know and I, and it catches me off guard and I'm like oh he, he thinks that I'm cool enough that he wants to go get a beer with me and get to know me a little bit or something like that and I think that's it's a byproduct of me just like worrying about myself and when people worry about themselves they I feel like they become more effective and more efficient and then like that that's just an attractive quality that other people notice that's actually great insight I've never really thought about it that way but that's a great point is just you know being so comfortable with who you are and just letting your true personality shine it just attracts people to you who are like-minded and then next thing you know you have a friend because you're not really closing yourself off you're just being who you are and that is naturally gravitating people towards you yeah and then the other mistake that I've made before too is just you don't want to like hold 
people to too high of a standard in terms of what you expect out of them. You know Ooh, what I mean? I feel like, that to my core. Yeah. Like friends are, that's why, I, that's why I started off saying like friends are casual relationships because not everyone is going to be that ride or die friend. You and Courtney have that where you guys can call each other at two 30 in the morning and you guys are going to answer and be like, what's up? But like, I don't have that with all of the friends and I've got a lot of friends now, you know, friends with motorcycling, mountain biking, nursing school, working at as a nurse dudes that I, you know, ride my, like, I think I already said that the motorcycle, you know, but I'm not like super, super tight with any of them. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of, I'm like maybe Daniel, the one who was my best man, but you know, so yeah, it just, it takes time and I feel like it happens naturally. And if it doesn't happen, it's, you not know, meant to be. yeah, it's just not, mm-hmm. not what was supposed to happen and you can just continue to work on yourself because everyone is attracted to people who are confident and people who know who they are. I definitely agree. So you guys are about to go through another big change in your life. You're moving again Mm. and it has been a hot minute since you've moved. Yeah about five and a half years. Yeah so how is this change impacting your life and what has it taught you guys? Hmm. It basically is, it's stressful, generally speaking, because ultimately you're just uprooting everything and you can't do it all in one day. You kind of have to do it like over like a few weeks, you know, of packing and then of course unpacking. So it's this sort of drawn out process that provokes anxiety. And when you think about how we're upping our standard of living and ultimately spending more money than we thought we ever would on a rental. It's easy for us to beat ourselves up, but we're also doing better in our careers than we than either of us anticipated. And we've already kind of sort of calculated how it makes sense for us fiscally. So part like the half of us is like we totally have it logically locked down. And the other half of us is like sort of bummed and overwhelmed that we're leaving this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's just yeah, because this is like our first place. It's like our first apartment. So it's kind of for me, it's like a little bit of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And then more so like I've not really moved all that many times in my life. So and like moved like a bunch of stuff. Like we're actually emptying all this place out. Like I moved a few times in college, but really when you're in college, I moved to bed in like some clothes, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, especially when you're in your twenties, cause you're kind of down for anything. But now that I'm like 30, I'm like, oh God, we have so much stuff and then it causes you to also look at your stuff and reflect on like am I using this does this bring me joy and then I and Trevor function off of we're Taurus moons so we function off of stability comfort we like all of our creature comforts and one of those is like having a nice organized functional space so it's kind of a blessing to move because this space is not functional anymore for us and it's not bringing us any more stability and comfort But at the same time, having all of our stuff take up almost the entire living room in boxes right now is stressful. (laughs) I don't blame you. Cutting into our sleep. I know. I hate, I, that's the worst part about moving is just how cluttered everything gets in the process. And then you're just thinking about how you then have to unpack everything. That just seems like such a chore, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you can make it fun, especially because I feel like you like to organize and I already talked a little bit about how you can use this to kind of show off your organization skills. Right. Yeah, it'll make Uh-oh. me happy to organize, reorganize everything. I've already, luckily Trevor's supportive like about my organizing stuff. So if I tell him like, don't touch this, I just want to do it. He'll just let me kind of take it over, which probably me not surrendering enough control, but like. But honestly, like if I don't, if it's not something that I value, if it's like super important to like example, bringing home the groceries, it literally takes pressure off of me if I can just drop them on the counter. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to 
put these all away and I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> we, were, we watched an episode of Hoarders last night, which is like a totally <sighs> different subject, but we cried so much because it was actually such a sweet episode. But I told him, I'm like, this is exactly the opposite of how we're going to live. I'm like on that home edit, like I'm about to rainbow categorize my pantry. I remember when we were younger, I'm- we used to do that to your closet. We right. spend time color code my clothes. clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still do it. My closet right now is color coded. All my, I have like my rainbow tie dye stuff. Yeah. Pink. And then I have like red and then maroon. And then, yeah, it's all like organized by color. It's so funny because anytime I hang out with you, I always go home with this new inspiration to organize my entire life. because like I don't know why but you're just like this grounding energy in my life that like reminds me that I need to get my shit together a little bit I love organizing my home I don't know why I think maybe because when I was really little my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she was so much into like everything had to be sparkling and perfect and well organized but I will say a lot of the time my administrative tasks are not done as efficiently as they need to be done. And Trevor often is the annoying but very smart voice of reason of like, you need to get this done today. And I'm like, mm. you're like, oh, damn, I guess I do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I hate it when you're right. That accountability. It's too funny. So this next question, it's going to get a little deep for you, Trev, because we like to talk about inner child healing on this podcast and we like to reflect a little bit. So the question is, when you reflect on your childhood, are there certain things that you experience that impact how you show up in your own relationship with others? Yeah, I don't know where to start. There was there's so much, uh, you know, growing up, divorced parents, my mother and father have polar opposite personalities. I still have frustration and anger and resentment toward my parents for various reasons. My mom for not having any appropriate parental boundaries my dad for not being engaged as a parent so I still I still as a grown individual with you know supposedly all administrative things you know right where they should be like looking like I've got things relatively together on the surface you know I still struggle with a lot of anger and frustration that sits right underneath the surface and I feel like it can manifest manifest itself pretty easily with like the wrong combination of things happening to me all at once I can just sort of just get way more upset and lean way more into anger than I need to in order to just process what's happening. But I wouldn't say that there's too much anger in the relationship. Sometimes I shut down, I guess. Sometimes I'll say, or my version of shutting shutting down is just getting angry. Like when I really, what I really ought, ought to be doing is saying like, I can't, you know, talk to you about this right now. Like, let's give it a half hour or something like that. But I usually, I typically lean into aggression as just like my go-to for dealing with being, being upset, just sort of like try to hammer through, but that ends up just leaving me feeling sort of just bad in general and then feeling like things are just unresolved, but you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say you have a very eloquent way of being vicious with your words when you're- If I feel like attacked, well, that's the other thing too. If I feel like attacked or if I feel like I'm looked at as- less than for for whatever reason your feelings don't matter yeah or something like that I will sometimes you know rely like I will sometimes basically go after somebody's character or go after what I know is their weak point you know so as to level the playing field and say like oh well you don't have x y and z sorted out in your life so you know f you because you know don't come at me you know you got your problems and that's kind of like I can do that you know I have a tendency to do that so I think it just all 
pretty much yeah i mean that's like yeah Which a lot we don't actually do that a whole lot in our in our relationship you kind of struggle with that with other people more I think. yeah yeah honestly with like members of my family i think i'm more apt to go after them and go after their character and, and accuse them of things but with courtney i you know her and i just have a different relationship i feel like her and her and my relationship is more about like me identifying with her pain because I understand to some extent what it was like for her to grow up and feel sort of undervalued and be like that middle child that like gets just like your feelings and your experiences all sort of get glossed over and you're just kind of talked about like you're dramatic or you're like a con- sensitive yeah or you're or you're you're too sensitive or you're a control freak or this and that because she likes to be particularly organized you know people just sort of overgeneralizing her experience and not valuing her. I think I identify with that very much so. So I think that's part of what attracted me to Courtney was feeling like this obligation to like protect her from the insensitive world that I was also very familiar with and prove her wrong that like not everyone is evil and selfish and that like she does have people in her life that are there to protect her. So also we have a unique ability where like, I feel like when your fam family may try to point something out to you, that's, I don't want to say like constructive criticism, whatever. Yeah. When they do it, it might not end well for them depending on your mood. But like you and I have this ability to talk so much, excuse my French shit to each other that he actually takes what I have to say into account more than they more than he, i feel like you do with them yeah maybe i give you more benefit of the doubt just because we have that established yeah. relationship and I, I feel like too there could still be what what it seems like is there's probably still a lot of past resentment that clouds your reactions towards your family members when you're communicating with them at times oh absolutely yeah that's like a bi- like an internal bias that has been forming over the course of years Courtney made a really excellent point that I think ties into this yesterday. And she was just talking about how my overall like psychological demeanor ever since her and I got a place together has been more calm and more level-headed than it was when I was moving all the time. And that was essentially what my childhood was, was moving all the time. So that lack of stability, you know, Taurus moon. Th- then we started talking about, yeah, Taurus moon. Then we started talking about the, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like this psychological framework. It's a pyramid and it's essentially at the bottom is like your physical needs, you know, like you need food, water, shelter, and then working your way up the top. I think there's five levels. I wish I could recite them verbatim. Um, One of them is love and belonging. And I was suggesting that like love and belonging was like, like emotional stability is what was missing from my pyramid coming up. And now that like, because I didn't really feel like loved and supported by my, oh, she brought it up. Yeah. God bless the internet. So we have, okay, here we go. We'll just leave it. Psychological need, excuse me, physiological needs at the bottom. And then we have safety needs. And then love and belonging is in the middle. And then we have self-esteem and then we have self-actualization. So self-actualization is like the sort of like cherry on top. If you can get all those others in place, knowing your purpose in the world is the ultimate goal, I guess, psychologically. But anyway, I think that the love and belonging was missing in my family dynamic. But like I I learned to replace it in my relationship with Courtney, which resulted in me having a more balanced psychology in general. Mm, I love that. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to take a look at that because that sounds really intriguing. And I've honestly been so drawn to like psychology this year. I don't know what it is, but things like that really interest me. So I'm gonna have to check that yeah, out. It's good and, stuff. I mean, and didn't you read a book also that 
was really eye-opening for you? Oh, Ooh. Outwitting the Devil was a good one. So out, Outwitting the Devil is a good one. I don't know if maybe you're thinking of oh, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. That one's mm-hmm. uh, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. That was a good one. But Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. That one's really interesting. In summation, it's about eliminating distractor uh, distractions from your life and eliminating this thing that they, they refer to as psychologically drifting, which is essentially what we're all doing when we're scrolling through whatever, Insta, Facebook. You know, we're a bit, we're basically just letting somebody else take the wheel of our mind and our purpose. And so that's essentially like the worst thing that you can do for your for yourself and for your, you know, for your self-actualization is is to not have definiteness of purpose. But yeah, that was that was outwitting the devil. And then a new earth is more so about just not being a slave to your thoughts and not actually taking everything that pops into your head seriously and knowing that, you know, it's sort of involuntary, that thought, that thinking is involuntary. You know, I think one of the first pages of the book tells you that breathing is involuntary, circulation is involuntary, digestion is involuntary, and so is thinking. So like recognizing those as like, those are processes that are occurring within you, but they are not you. Mm. Those were both really helpful, I feel like. But yeah, it takes yeah. practice to implement them. And you can't just read those books and then conceptually understand them and then be like, okay, I'm a better person. It's more like, no, you have to like read those books and then like put them down and like think on them for a while without <laughs> without thinking too much, right? And then, you know, day by day, minute by minute, attempt to implement them, which is way easier said than done. Oh, for sure. Making any kind of change and implementing anything new into your life always takes practice. So you and Courtney are very similar, but you guys are also really different. I would love to kind of talk about your differences and how you worked through your differences and what some of your major differences are. Well, we kind of touched upon one of them already. I feel like when when we have emotional difficulties, like as individuals, I lean into anger. I think she leans into shutting down. Mm-hmm. Avoidant. Yeah. Yeah. Because like in a lot of, we've talked about this in another podcast, but a lot of my childhood was invalidating that I even had feelings when I was in trouble. And so I just learned to not even recognize how I was feeling or processing what I was thinking or basically it like made me intuitively like not even know like what my own thoughts were on situations. So it caused this point where like when we do have a disagreement and we're trying to communicate, I will actually need time to sit with some of the important things he may be bringing up or highlighting. And it will actually take me sometimes like 20, 30 minutes to really like think and figure out how I feel about what he said or what's going on and then be able to actually express myself. I think the best thing though, is that for the most part, being together almost a decade, we've kind of figured that out about each other. So when it happens, he now will be like, you need time to, you need time to deal with that. And I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I need to think. And then he gives me the space to do it. And you give me the space in when I'm going off the walls with being upset. Well, I do and I don't. Because there's like, I think there's a good boundary between allowing him to have his feelings and not invalidating his feelings. But also, I do not tolerate him treating me any certain disrespectful type of way, which I think is different from a lot of his family and other people who are in his life who would just allow him to be that way. And I was immediately like, hell no. <laughs> to this day... Like, if he gets a little bit rude, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was that? And he's like, oh, nothing. (laughs) Correct myself real quick. Yeah. So that 
I think the ability, I told him the other night, I think I had texted you this, Lauren, the ability to have a partner that you can actually be brutally honest with and not be afraid to have that like complete ability to like share things with them, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's something they constructively need to work on or you guys need to work on as a couple is really nice. And I feel really lucky to have that because not everybody does. We even have like points where like there was a phase we went through. We don't really shake on it anymore, but we were like, when we moved in together, you know, you have that transition of like certain people do certain things and it's just, it's a hard no for you that they do those things. So we used to go like this and we used to- shake. New house rule. New house rule. Yeah. And we'd be like, and we would, res- we shook on it because we were like, okay, I respect you that this is a new house rule because you really don't like this. So like he hated me putting, I used to put, it was trash, but it was recycle that needed to be rinsed out in the sink, but I wouldn't rinse it right away. I would just like collect a few items and then rinse them all at once and then put them in the recycle that drove him crazy. So that was one of the new house rules. I was going to immediately rinse it and put it in the recycle. <laughs> we, but you have to find out what works for you and your partner. And sometimes I think it it's not it's not necessarily like finding what works for you. Maybe you guys don't work together and being able to be honest about it. But ultimately, I think it takes two people wanting to actually be like, no, I'm here. I chose this and let's like work on this. I think the coolest thing is having somebody who's like, no, like we're partners. We're going to fuck this shit up. Let's go. Yeah. Right. Like we're, we're doing this together. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, that I just wanted that just occurred to me when we were talking about it is that I feel as if the more work you're willing to do internally the better your relationships are going to work out. Because if you're malleable or like Bruce Lee says, be like water, you know, become the shape of whatever your surroundings are, like then you're open to negotiation. It's like you hit barriers and walls when people's egos and feelings that they haven't resolved for themselves get in the way of their ability to interact with others. So, you know, nine times out of 10, when relationships don't work out, it's not because, you know, necessarily because the two individuals don't want to work on the relationship. It's more like they don't want to work, do the necessary psychological work on themselves. That's going to enable them to be in a functional relationship. I honestly could not agree more. And that is such powerful advice. And and I can relate to that a lot too, because when I started doing my own, own inner work, I saw improvements with my own relationships as well. It really is so key Because I truly believe that the relationship that you have with yourself is the foundation that the rest of the relationships in your life are built off of. So if you don't have a secure foundation like within yourself, then how can you expect to have security within your relationships? Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I always wondered about Trevor. One of the things that I was going to ask him because like he's always so reliable and stuff but he doesn't give himself a lot of grace and leeway he's actually pretty terrible to himself which so am I which is interesting especially astrologically but I always wonder like is that because you feel like you have to like show up in some type of like masculine role and like be like basically be like the American dream white boy like the only you can be (laughs) like at all times or like you're failing because I wonder why you don't care enough to give yourself grace well, I mean, it depends on what we're talking about. If you're talking about performing for other people versus performing for myself, those are, you know, different things. But I, I think as far as like being there for somebody else, if I said I was going to do something or I said I was going to be somewhere, I definitely, I hold that in very high regard because there was a lot of times as a kid where people said they were going to do this or that and they didn't. And I remember how disappointed I was and how frustrated I was and how it really like, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but de- defamed or defamated their character to me was like, oh, okay, you just, 
you know, you say what, you know, you say what people want to hear, but you don't actually do it. So that, that was a big part of my character development was just like, if you say you're going to do something, be there for somebody, what have you, then do it. But as far as like giving myself grace for how I perform on things for myself, it's taken me a lot of practice to be realistic with myself and know like when I go at something, you know, if I haven't done it before, I'm not necessarily going to be good at it. And even if I am good at it, I might make mistakes, you know, learning to think more rationally about my own personal performance for myself has taken practice. Um, But as a little kid, you know, I was like, they were like, okay, you know, the assignment, you know, in art classes, we're going to draw like a mountain. And if the mountain didn't come out the way that I wanted it to, I was tearing it up and I was in tears because I took myself that seriously. But it took me pretty well into my adulthood to realize that that's not a realistic expectation and that I should be reasonable with myself in terms of what I'm capable of. Yeah, that's powerful reflection. Yeah. I was going to say, like, have you ever thought about the root cause of why you felt like you had to be so like it had to be a specific way and if it wasn't it was garbage no I get. I don't know I guess I just now that we're talking about it maybe it was like I know my mom had a very like black and white way of thinking there was no gray area in life things were sort of all one way or all the other so maybe I developed this thought pattern that if it wasn't good it had to be bad Mm. and you know that sort of thing and yeah, I feel like so many of us are afraid to really embrace having a beginner mindset. And mm. yeah, like nobody wants that... to be like a noob at anything. No, yeah, like, like I even see that. Like half the times, people are so afraid to like go after a new job, like a new career path when they're unhappy because they're so afraid to start over or to start from the beginning again. But then they're like they're sticking to jobs that make them miserable, or they're not changing any aspect of their life that drives them insane because they're so afraid of you know being in that beginner mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also kind of perpetuate it as being like being a bad thing, like on social media and stuff. Even like saying the word noob to a to a certain extent, it like mm-hmm. it basically creates this like negative realm around the idea of like being a beginner at something when really like it should be rewarded it should be like wow like you're new at this I can't believe you're trying that that's crazy good for you that's awesome like it's like this mindset that you're either an expert or you suck right yeah and and I think a lot of people who have that like expert mindset tend to put themselves in this go position where they're like I'm better than you because I know more than you and they can sometimes come across as if you're not smart enough because you're new even see that at jobs you're the new person at a job and it's like everybody's picking on you or like kind of I guess it depends but from my own experience I think that's pretty nursing nursing can be like that depending on like who you're dealing with People can take their skills and rather than enrich your life with what they have to offer they're you, like, they're just going to talk down you to you do and that. <laughs> sort of be ego driven about it, unfortunately. But. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of touched base a little bit on this, but because you guys have been together for almost a decade now, what would you say like, so Courtney, what would you say is some of the biggest changes you saw within Trevor? And then Trevor, what are some of the biggest changes you saw within Courtney? That's a good question. I'm excited to answer those. But you <laughs> so, go first. <laughs> um, I would say for me, I think the biggest thing that I saw change in him is his calmness mm-hmm. and and his ability to be vulnerable. Because I felt like he didn't have, I kind of already told him this, but I feel like he didn't have the stability he needed. And this is by no means like a bad mouth on your parents, but he didn't have the stability he needed in his home life to 
create a calm environment that was consistent. So now that we have our own space, we've like made a rule, like this is our home, this is our sanctuary, this is where we go to relax and be restored from the outside world. And so this has to be like our place to do those things. So this is where we're going to create that for ourselves. And so he's got a lot more calm I feel like he's got a lot more okay with resting he used to have this like overdriven mindset of like he had to do everything he had to do it right now or or it was never going to get done and he's given himself like I said he's starting to give himself that grace of like physiologically I can't I can't do all this at once like I need to rest because I'm not going to be able to show up for the things that I need to get done which I think is really powerful because then when he does perform, he performs much higher because he's giving himself that self-love and self-care. And then I think the other thing that's probably been really important, I forgot what I was going to say. I mean, it could come back to you while I'm talking. You just got to write it down now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I probably will come back to you with everything we were talking about. But I think the biggest change I've seen in Courtney is singular. It's a single change. And it's really just her self-confidence and her self-perception and that, but that manifests itself in the way that she carries herself in social situations. Like the Courtney that I met when I, when we first got together was pretty self-conscious and pretty, I wouldn't say antisocial, but she wasn't stoked to go be social and go be vulnerable in that way. But I think hopefully I like to think that because of our relationship and because of support that I've given her and essentially reminded her of what she already knows deep down, but kind of got covered up by life and society and nonsense and BS that we, you know, tell people, especially young women about, you know, this ridiculous standard that they're expected to uphold. I feel like, you know, our relationship sort of combated a lot of that, for lack of a better term, bullshit, and reminded her of of just, you know, how unique and capable and special she is. And I think she's gained a lot of popularity as a result, you know, in school and that sort of thing. And not that that's what's most important. But again, this going back to what I said before, this is a her feeling good about herself or making friends was a byproduct of that. It wasn't like she went into nursing school and was like, I'm here to make friends. She was like, I'm here to kick ass and do well on my assignments. And she made friends Just the, the friends came to her, you know, I love that. You got me in my feels, guys. Mm. Yeah. Ask me the question again, Lauren. Let me see if it sparked my brain. Okay. So the question was, what change have you seen in Trev since the beginning of your relationship over the course of 10 years? Like how, how has he changed the most? Yeah, I guess in general, I would say like his ability to be calm. He used to, you know, the other big thing that I think that he's gotten a lot better with kind of goes in in line with what I said, that he used to swing like the biggest pendulum of when he decided he was going to do something, he was all in it. But it would last like a day or two or like maybe a week if we were lucky. And then he would swing dramatically back towards the other way. So for like instance, like he would be like, I'm going to eat this crazy diet and we'll do this crazy set of workouts. And it would last like a couple days. And my whole like mantra of fitness is always or being healthy is I truly don't believe as humans and as like our consistent nature that we all really require that you can do something like that and make it a permanent lifestyle change. And I felt like it took me years of saying that to him for him to finally be like, no, that's right. Like uh, if I'm going to make a big change, it needs to be like really gradual. And then before you know, you're like waking up and doing it and it's Mm -hmm it doesn't feel like you sacrificed or made a big change because you did it slowly over time. 
Yes, I definitely agree that that's so important because if you try to make like an overnight big change, your body's just going to reject that and you won't be able to keep up with the consistency of that change. Right. Yeah, he still won't eat turkey burgers. He, he would still rather have 100% grass-fed beef burgers, but that's fine. <laughs> As long as they're as long as they're grass fed, that's just a I preference. Them that's that's not a life change. <laughs> <laughs> his life will never change from his two main food groups: pasta and cheeseburgers. Hey, I don't blame you. Those, I mean, I freaking love a good bowl of pasta. I'll tell you that much. Can't yeah, go wrong. This is true. And I think I eat way too many cheeseburgers. So, so you guys ready for this little uh, game to end this off? Sure. That's interesting. I guess we should turn our backs a little. Well, I mean, I can I can use my hand to cover it. I can see it. You're lo- you don't have to no look. Cheating. No cheating, kiddos. <laughs> I'm a cheater. All right. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to ask the question, right? And we're going to answer for Courtney first, and then we'll answer for Trev. Okay. So you're both going to write down what Courtney's biggest fear is. I don't even know. I know what it is. It's going to be dark. You giving him hints? You're not allowed to talk about it, babe. Just be sure. <laughs> okay. I already wrote it down. Okay. One, two, three. What is it? I put loss. Oh, <laughs> that's so literal. Oh, yep. Sexual assault. Sexual assault. We did talk about literal. this in the last podcast episode. Trev, if you listened, you would have had the answer. <laughs> yeah, right, honey. That's like a scenario. Yeah, yeah. Be- no, we did okay. talk about that in one of the last episodes. Okay, so now we're going to do it for Trev. What oh. is Trev's biggest fear? I'm getting very specific. I don't know if this is going to be right. Oh, it's probably going to be totally different, but that's what's fun about this. <laughs> but maybe it'll make you realize you have more than one. Courtney's saying ready? she knows what you're afraid of and you don't. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. I put jail. Jail. Oh, that's true. You've never talked about loved that. ones. Okay. Well, I wouldn't want to go to jail. That would be terrible. Yeah, but I put loss of loved ones. Like uh, your mom and dad dying or your brother. I mean, all of these outcomes are undesirable. <laughs> yeah. <I'm happy. laughs> all of these outcomes. Lord, what are you doing? You're making us play the darkest game. No, I'm just kidding. It's good. All right, here, I'll switch it up. We'll give you a little bit of a lighter one now. Okay, so if Courtney could travel anywhere in the world, where would she travel to? She's trying to cheat, and I already know the answer. What is it? Ready? One, two, three, Edinburgh. Yeah, Scotland. Yeah. See that? I was going to say, if he doesn't know this one. (laughs) Scotland. He got got even more specific because Edinburgh is right. I love that. I just, I gave him leeway. I put just Scotland. That's so funny. So now we're going to switch it and now it's trev's where he would travel to anywhere in the world where would it be i think she'll do well on this mm, i don't know i'm actually scared just answer it with whatever i answered you it. don't have to be right i just said japan you put japan I well, put alaska anywhere in the world well alaska's in the sushi, world you sushi's your number one thing we're all going right. except japan i said alaska alaska okay. well, I interesting now i'm really alaska. curious what do you what like intrigues you to want to go to Alaska? Uh lack of civilization and brutal cold winters. So you want to go to wow. Yeah, I want to like, like I give just me hardship. <laughs> he wants to be yeah, pretty friend. much. Will winter frontier is his lifestyle. Give me hardship and isolation. Okay, okay. Pretty much. I Which is that. the opposite of me because our my second favorite place I would want to travel to is the crew. Caribbean so oh yes don't know how this works out maybe we can just transition to like a FaceTime marriage (laughs) I don't think so all right so now this is kind of similar but like in a different way if Courtney could live anywhere in the world where would she want to live I'm gonna be 
I'm not getting too specific. I gave a general answer. What did you put? I said any Nordic countries. I said mountains. Yeah, that's All perfect. Right. Some overlap there. Okay, yeah. there we go. The Nordic countries are like Finland and stuff, and like they they have been rated like for the last thirty years, like they have like the happiest citizens. So. Yeah, they're like low on crime, kind low on suicides, high on career proficiency. Wow. But that's because their social systems are super evolved. That's true. I'm moving to Finland. Bye. <laughs> what well, else we it's... got? Trev's turn. Where would he want to live? I already know. Anywhere in um, the world. I mean, it's probably more than one place, but I'm going to put one particular. What did you put? I put Antarctica because I was being a smart ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I put Maine, but, you know, I'm I'm open. Nova Scotia? I just want to go somewhere woodsy. Like, that's where I grew up. I want to go somewhere that reminds me of that place. Yeah, somewhere where... So you, you kind of like the places that have not so much people... Right. But more so nature. Yeah, not le- exactly. And also yep. ultimately cold climate. You like not the cold? Too... Wow. Ooh. And yeah, you're in Texas. Warm. What the heck? That's that's bad. I ask him all the time how we got here. <laughs> Mom had a job in a house. Right. I mean, yeah, pretty much that was it. That was why we're here. <laughs> we have two last questions. The first one, what is Courtney's pet peeve about you? Her biggest pet peeve when it comes to you, Trev? Got it. Oh. That one didn't take me long. <laughs> you guys must have discussed it. I actually have two. Yeah, she's got a list. She's got a list. <laughs> Everyone has a list. <laughs> All right. Well, you go first. I said hawking in the AM when you clear your throat. That makes me absolutely insane. But also that you don't listen to anything I say. I put not listening fully. Yeah, see, he's not. He's not. His ears are not on. And it makes me crazy because then he's like, what'd you say? And I'm like, ah. Or like, we'll be actively doing something and be like, why are we doing this? What are we? And I'm like, I already told you all these details. That's too funny. I'm like, I'll literally sometimes if I'm moody enough, I'll look at him and be like, I'm not telling you. I'm 100% not telling you. You missed the opportunity. Exactly. Very sassy sometimes. All right. So now let's switch this. What is the biggest pet peeve that you have about Courtney? So like about her? Okay, sorry. Or something that she Maybe would Maybe I do. need to, like, like think of how you just answered it for, you know, like, what is something that she does that mm. really drives you? I already you? got two of them, honey, that you have for me. Let me think. I really only have one that's coming to mind that genuinely brings... Why is it always, I swear, men in relationships, they're always just like, oh, nothing really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two, and he always words about me doing these, so I know it bothers him. Okay, you might jog my memory. What'd you put? I put... Putting wet towels on top of other wet towels for sure to dry, and then leaving my socks everywhere. I just take my socks off and leave them by the bed, and I'll just accumulate a pile of socks. And then he'll come out and he'll. Neither throw. of those are as irritating as what I put, which is chewing in ear. Oh, oh! Purposely chew in your ear, though. No, I could be across the room eating, and he's literally on his phone, and I'm like. I can't believe you're chewing because he has misophonia. So you know what's crazy? Josh does the same thing to me, and then I get super self conscious. I don't even want to eat in front of him because I I just know he's like listening to me chew, and it's bothering right. him. <laughs> you should use you should use your um use your uh podcast microphone to really give him a nice little mixtape. Oh my gosh, do some ASMR for him. <laughs> yeah, literally. Give him like a mixtape of you crunching on the crunchiest snack. Yeah, like slowly eat a Tostitos chip. 
No, like, the worst. No, to be honest, I'm a little like picky when it comes to certain foods. Like people like eating pasta or cereal. I'm like, please do not do that in front of me because it's gross. Yeah. Slurping the milk off the spoon and like oh, yeah. pasta, just like slurping the pasta, milk dribbling down the face. The worst, the worst offense is when people bite the fork and you hear it slide oh, between their teeth. Terrible. Oh, you don't like the, yeah, the chewing. The other thing fork, I hate like, is when people scrunch their silverware on their plate. It's like, you're like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's the worst i hate styrofoam Sometimes you gotta cut your stuff oh yeah i would never touching styrofoam or the sound of styrofoam is awful that's it is pretty terrible isn't it it's you know the worst is accidentally when you accidentally bang metal silverware into your own teeth and you didn't plan it Ooh. that's awful and it hurts all right to end this on a positive note let's do it what would courtney say she loves the most about you there's too many things to choose oh i remember finally what i was going to say about the other thing that i think trevor's really grown over the last 10 years finally came to me i was going to say his ability to be vulnerable because when we first met like he said he used to take himself way too seriously and now he's very goofy especially at home he'll be goofy and he took himself so seriously when we first started dating he wouldn't even be like goofy and laugh and do funny things like in front of me now he'll do like like he'll join me when I do like my funny house dancing like if I play good music we'll do like funny dances together and laugh I love and I'm that. Proud of him for that because it's hard to do I find vulnerability is a great form of intimacy it is it's very sexy similar to those like <laughs> you know this is kind of a, a bit of a corny example but it's it's relatable like those Tony Robbins seminars that people pay a million dollars to get within like 10 feet of Tony Robbins <laughs> One thing he does with people who are like struggling with emotional, psychological stuff is he like has them stand up and get on chairs and like dance like idiots. Like he he wants them out of their head. Yeah, it's like and embarrass the shit out of yourself. Get comfortable with embarrassing yourself. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. Like you're you're a person and that's part of being alive. So, yeah. but the question was, what's the stop looking at my stuff? <laughs> what's the favorite thing what was the favorite thing about are you changing your answer now courtney no oh didn't finish my d okay all right and your all answer right. well my fake answer was his stupid head his stupid head yeah <laughs> his head is so heavy and big i love how big it is thank you honey um but my real answer was his heart so i put i put kindness slash protective I think she those are those are parts of my character that she values. I love that. What would Trevor say he loves most about you, Courtney? Mm, She's not gonna know. Got it. I'm done. The pressure's on, dear. What do you think that I love about you? You want my joke answer or my real answer first? Real answer. Real answer is my compare my caring and supportive nature. My joke answer was my big butt. Well, there's definitely both of those involved. Um, no, for my for my answer, I said truly cares for others. We finished strong. And you thought that she wouldn't know. I kind of did. Because I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know. He had to, had to tink on, on it. it. Well, this was a great episode. Honestly, Trev, thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing your wisdom. I'm sure so many are listening and gained a lot of perspective from this conversation. So... Thank you. I appreciate being a guest. This was really fun. Yeah, we have fun times. Love it over here. And thank you everybody for listening. We can't wait to chat again soon. We'll see you next time.